Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with One Rental at a Time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag One Rental at a Time. Now on with the show. Alrighty, folks, one of the things we do at One Rental at a Time is we bring on different voices with different experiences, and we have the one and only Taylor from Life Goal Investments, who is a 10-year Wall Street veteran. He was on the floor. So uh, we're going to talk to him, see what's going on. How you doing, Taylor? I'm doing great. This is uh, exciting times. We have wild things playing out in the bond market, not so much in the stock market right now, but I think it's indicative of what we're about to chat about. Well, the first thing I uh, just remembered is I need to say I was wrong. You were right. Right. We had a conversation <laughs> last week. People can go back to the playlist. You called for three, six, three, seven. So you nailed it. I was going, dude, three, two, three, three. So I was way off. I expected the shelter fall to be have a greater impact. And it didn't. But uh, yeah, you were right. So take your victory lap. <laughs> I don't get these all that often. So, you know, I, <laughs> I don't like to rub it in too much because I don't like it how it feels on the other end. No, I, I think that um, your comments were fair. As we go back to last week, you thought shelter would have a more negative impact on what's playing out inflation. And my comment on the other side, which happened to be the winning comment, is that energy and oil had too much upward pressure, too violent of a swing upwards in yeah. too short a period of time. Yeah, no, you were right. Uh, one thing I can say is shelter is clearly rolling over and it will clearly roll over the next couple of months. Um, there's actually somebody calling. I saw it on Twitter. I wish I, I saved it, but they're talking about deflation. Shelter, def not disinflation, deflation by Q2 of next year. I just posted it on Twitter, so I'm going to go find it while you, while you react to that. Can you see that rolling through? Uh, no, I don't. And the bond market <laughs> certainly does not see it rolling through because the bond market is indicative of where future inflation is going. And the bond market, the 10 year treasury is at its highest point right now since 2007. Yeah. So the bond market on the other side is saying the exact opposite inflation's um, a real more pervasive problem going forward. And it's not necessarily just going to roll over and die like, like the market has anticipated it doing. It's, it's, it's crazy right. to think that the market, although we see re-acceleration of inflation, the market is still saying next year we're going to see between three and four rate cuts. Um, and, and it won't come off of that number. It, it, it's crazy for me to say that. But but apparently there is this you know focal point on the other side or vocal uh, narrative on the other side, I should say, that says, hey, you might get a deflationary bend here. We'll, we'll see. I, I don't see it in the data. And nor does the market right now, the way they're reacting with the 10-year being at a you know, essentially a 15 year high. Yeah. The other thing I just shared on the daily financial news with my audience was a, I think an important and pivotal activity and it's inflation related and it, it focused on airlines. So for my memory, last year was a really good time for airlines. Lots of yep. demand. They were yep. raising prices, yep. right? Fair to say. Yep. Well, I don't know if you just saw it in the last 10 business days, maybe even eight business days, Southwest American, Delta United have all come out with profit warnings, highlighting rising costs, fuel costs, labor costs, all of that. What is subtle in that warning from an inflation perspective is they're not raising prices. 
they're right. eating margin. Right. And I suspect that trend will play out across a lot of industries. We heard a little bit of that from Kroger in the latest earnings announcement. We're seeing it across furniture. There are some furniture suppliers who supposedly have more than 12 months of inventory. So there are some deep, true deflationary aspects building in the economy. And then you go back to student loans, which I don't know where that discretionary money is coming from, right? Because it could come from savings, maybe. Could come sure. from credit card debt, maybe. But sure. it's probably going to come from reduced spending. So this seems like a uh, seems like we're really running towards something in maybe Q4, Q1. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I tell you, um, I have seen a lot of studies on the uh, discretionary spending that is a function, the additional discretionary uh, spending that's a function of the loans being pushed off for three years in a row. And actually, it winds up not being the biggest number in the world as, as you know, at least the studies that I've seen and the effect on GDP. It's, it's pretty marginal. Um, but nonetheless, I'm with you. As people had $300 additional a month in their pocket going out and spending it and now they don't have that as it is a check that needs to be cut to whomever their loan agency is on an ongoing basis not only does it take 300 away from their spending but it also takes that psychological impact on them to say hey i need to start being more fiscally responsible in other places and not just spending willy-nilly which it's 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 pretty apparent that people blew through most of the stimulus money at this point and now are looking at themselves and saying oh do we take on more credit card debt? Because we've seen that starting to pick up some, not to scary numbers. It is an all-time high, but for the record, it's an all-time high compared to all-time high output of the economy and things like that too. So it's all relative. Um, yeah. But I'm with you. I, I do think that there are the um, inflationary pressures on a downward, um, uh, it, downward inflationary pressures to come, but I just haven't seen them yet. And yeah, with that, they true. need to bleed through into the system. And right now, it's the reflationary pressure that continues to be worrisome. And I think on the other side of things, we look at things like cars are a really big component of inflationary data, of CPI, of PCE, et cetera. And we have car prices likely going higher based on what's going on with the UAW. Um, and, and just input costs from labor in general seems to be trending upwards, right? Real income growth was reported at 1.7%. That's more money in people's pockets. And we talk about this at nauseum. Americans spend when they have money in their pockets. Yeah, I think that's going to be a trend certainly for the next five years. I'm on record saying the, the bottom half of the income scale is going to get a disproportionate real wage increase none of this nominal yep. nonsense real and and, and and there's some argument being made by politicians to say listen like we've seen executive pay go up we see profit margins getting blown out like it's time kind of for the back end but i think what's happening is they've gone from okay maybe we've gotten hosed over the past couple of years to we're going to get ours now right yeah and, and 30 32 percent i think was the latest ask from the uaw plus a 32 hour work week yeah, exactly. And it, what's interesting is this puts Tesla and, and I'm going to miss the numbers off the top of my head. So my apologies, but Tesla has an average when you consider benefits, et cetera, all in per hour pay at something like $45 an hour. 
and the big three of the UAW already have something like a $59 per hour all in, and they're reaching for a 40% raise on top of that. Now, don't take those those numbers for gospel, but they're very directional. Um, So what they're saying is Tesla already has a labor cost advantage of not being unionized workers. And now that is going to get blown out even further as these union negotiations play out. And and I think the outstanding question now is like, do Tesla's, uh, do they have the ability to exert more pricing pressure based on the lower input costs to the traditional big three? Or do Tesla workers start to look around and go, guys, why why are we missing the boat on this? And should we come together and unionize and force Tesla and Elon to pay us more as well? Yeah, again, I think the next five years, this is, again, it's it never is exactly the same, but it certainly rhymes. I think this decade will be looked back on the history books as the time that labor got theirs. And to be clear, it's time, right? We've had 40 years since the 80s where either the execs or the stockholders got theirs and labor was screwed. So I'm, Correct. I'm sitting here as a 100% pure capitalist saying, labor, go get it. You've been, right. you've been, F, you've been messed with, go get it. But there yeah. will be impact from that. And, and, and there's no doubt. I mean, Ray Dalio being an ultimate capitalist obviously speaks about the wealth gap. And as the wealth, wealth gaps gets wider and wider, what happens is more distrust from the bottom and distrust it builds into real changes, yeah. them forcing their way, protests and things that get violent and stuff like that. And, and Ray's not saying there's some violent massacre coming out, but he's saying like, as the gap gets wider, the people on the end, on the bottom end, get more and more pissed off, rightfully so, yeah. right? And so I think that to your point, it just kind of speaks to exactly what you were just saying there. So it sounds like you see inflation being stickier for longer, possibly on the upward trajectory, certainly if you're looking at CPI headlines. So by that stance, are you also calling for a September rate hike or a rate hike sometime this year? Yeah, September, I, I looked at it prior to this call. It's literally at 1%. And and the Fed, as we talk about, the Fed does not want to shock the market. So it is not going to happen there. But I do think that we likely get another rate hike to come this year, legitimately. And, and that's not... Again, or that's not conventional wisdom right now. There's less than a 40% chance. Um, but I think that the numbers are, again, more per- pervasive and sticky and moving upwards right now. And the Fed has vehemently told us unemployment's at 3.5% or whatever it is right now. It is ridiculously low. They look at it and they say, listen, inflation's a problem. Unemployment's incredibly tame. I'm willing to tick up the Fed funds rate, potentially increasing unemployment some to control this inflation on the other side. Yeah, so it, it's really, oh, go ahead. What's important to also realize there is like Europe right now is in a much more dire situation where they are looking at it and saying, I am taking the inflationary pill over the economic pill on the other side because they raise rates even though they are squarely in a stagflationary environment where they are not having the economic growth they need and inflation is getting away from them. So they said, if we're picking between one of the two, economic growth and inflation, we are going to try to take inflation down at the risk of economic growth faltering even further than it is with their very shaky economy right now. Yeah, I might be mis- I might be misspoken here, but I don't think I am. The ECB or Europe, they don't have a dual mandate. Their job is stable prices. The U.S. is a very unique central bank where it's either the dual or tri-mandate, depending on who you talk to, right? Interesting. I, that, that may very well be true, but I don't care if it's stated or unstated. Those are the two it's things how you're they're balancing. Acting. <laughs> <laughs> it's how they're acting. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Well, the, the, I actually think 
Wednesday is going to be a big nothing burger. I think we're going to get a pause. I think we're going to get a hawkish Powell at the press conference. What's going to be most interesting to me is the summary of economic indicators, often called the dot plot. And there's so much stuff coming. I actually think the terminal rate is going to be most interesting to me. How many of the 18 presidents or 19 voting members, I think it's 19 with Powell, uh, will point at one or more rate hikes? And how many will say, no, we're done? I think we might get like 7 to 12 or 8 to 11. It'll, it'll, be, it'll be a lot closer to 50-50 than most people expect, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's a question of, and now this is like where everyone is going to split every bit of hair of everything he says on Wednesday. And it absolutely will be the case. We're not going to get a rate hike to the point that would shock the markets because, again, the market's currently pricing in a 1% chance. So the market would be absolutely shocked. And that's not what the Fed looks to do. They look to pull people in their direction and then make the decision that they have convinced the market's already coming. So the question now is, is it hawkish? or really, really hawkish, right? It's really, that's, really hawkish. That's, that's where it comes in because they have to have a hawkish tilt because inflation is reaccelerating. They're not going to raise, yeah, which is dovish yeah. in its own right. And then they have to have the hawkish on the other side to say, we are willing to raise, or is it, it is likely going to be raised? Is that is that kind of the vernacular they use? Yeah, I think I think it's going to be to that those two options. It'll be hawkish, hawkish. And again, I think Powell needs to be, you know, in, when the microphone's in front of him, he has to be the hawk, even though, internally he may like dude i'm done he just can't right. say that he just can't right. say it right um and then the other thing that i think is going to be interesting is what's their call for gdp right i don't know if you checked out gdp now it's actually now under five percent it was 4.9 when i checked this morning yeah. so quite quite a drop from five nine i think was the peak i think it was five nine yeah yeah so quite quite a drop but where do they see gdp going are they going to talk about student loans are they going to talk about i mean the government shutdown I mean, that's coming in a heartbeat, right? That's going to be, that'll be here in a minute. Um, it's crazy. It's, yeah. We it's, just got through that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was put in, put in there on purpose to come. So uh, yep. was it Fitch? I mean, Fitch is right. It's like, this nonsense is not going to get any better. Let's downgrade them now. They're going right. to, they're going to be proven to be right. Yeah. You know, whatever. So um, that's going to be interesting. Where do they say GDP? Because again, I think it was two, two dot plots. So six months ago, they were essentially calling a second half recession. That left. Right. Now they've seen they see positive growth, you know, going forward. You know, is it the soft landing or do any of them talk about potential negative growth? It'll be interesting. It, it certainly will. And to your point, um, six months ago or whenever it was, I think about six months ago, to your point, is they had a split, uh, a split jury where Powell was on one side saying we're not going to see a recession. And the consensus of the committee was on the other side saying we are going to see a recession. And Powell was right. And Powell was right. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I was like, I'm done listening to the PhDs. You guys don't know what the real world's like. Anyway. Yep. Yep. And then, then the last one, kind of the earlier point is where does unemployment go? That's the big, like, does anybody have the balls to say unemployment will go north of five? That's my bark. That's, that's going to be interesting. Five, five's, five's a high number. number. Five's a high, and, and like, to your point, the underlying people in the beige book, yeah. with the statement of the statement of additional information or whatever it is, they are able to say stuff like that. Powell can't Powell will not say that on the stand. No, Powell's not he saying that. Say that. Um, no, but to no, your point, on the back end, they all put their projections in. And yeah, um, at the beginning of this year, unemployment was anticipated to be four five, if memory serves me correct, right, at the end right of this there. year. And yeah. we're gonna come in a whole point ish under that unless we get a meaningful pickup between now and the end of the year. 
Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. A longer, so again, I, longer lag than what the than what the experts had expected. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I think Wednesday's all about the dot plot, not the not the point, not the Fed speech. This is the, this this is all about hey, what do you eighteen or nineteen people see in our future? Because sometimes they don't correlate, right? You got really low unemployment but low growth. I mean, it's like you know, both of these can't be true. So it'll be Correct. very interesting to see. Correct. Correct. Kind of like the market valuation and three break hikes next year can't both be true. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, Taylor, you put out a lot of daily content trying to help people understand the crazy markets. Where can they find you? Yeah. Find us at Life Goal Investments. We're on both Instagram and on TikTok, putting out daily stuff. There Appreciate you, you, Michael. Thank you. Yep.